Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga, and I'm filling in for Beth Heaton, the regular host. Now on to today. For my second segment, I'll be talking with Mary Sue Yoon, veteran college coach consultant and former senior admission officer at Barnard College, about getting started on an activity list or resume for college. Here's a hint. You can start as early as ninth grade. For my third segment... Um, I just wanted to ask, are you a top student applying to the most selective colleges and universities, schools like Stanford and Harvard? If so, you need at least one accomplishment that it distinguishes you from other from the other thousands of applicants. At College Coach, we call it a distinguishing excellence. Hopefully you listened to last week's show when we discussed what a distinguishing excellence is. In this show, we'll be discussing how to present your distinguishing excellence on your application. It can be trickier than it seems. Luckily, Christine Kenyon, college coach, educational consultant, and veteran of the Boston College Office of Admission and former scholarship reviewer and interviewer for the very prestigious Moorhead Kane Scholarship at UNC Chapel Hill, will be here to talk this over with me. But first... Are you interested in applying for an on-campus job as a college student? If so, my guest, Michelle Richardson, college coach finance consultant and former financial aid officer at Mayo Clinic College of Medicine, is here to explain how to apply. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Sally, for having me on. Oh, absolutely. We really appreciate hearing from you. So let's just, let's start with um, how big of an issue this is. You know, how many students work while they're in college? Well, you know, um, a recent statistic, um, according to the American Association of University Professors, nearly 80% of college students will work while they are enrolled. Okay, great. Um, and do they typically, um, do they usually have federal work-study funding? Or, you know, even if they don't, can they land a job on campus? Yep, that's a that's a great question. So uh, most campuses have two campus uh, work study programs. Uh, the largest one is called and referred to as the federal work study program, and students need to actually apply through the financial aid office and complete the free application for federal student aid in order to be eligible. And if a student is awarded work study funding, that is, uh, students are notified via their award letter. And then oftentimes campuses have non-work study positions available where instead of the funding coming from the federal government like work study, federal work study, uh, the institution is, is paying students to work on campus. So there might be two different avenues in which students can look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say that while I was a work study student in college, I also had jobs that were not work study related for whatever reason they didn't qualify or they weren't listed under that so I just want to throw that in there to encourage students who are not on work study to let them know that they can get jobs um, so what are some initial first steps in applying for an on-campus position 
So like applying for any other job, students really should make a plan and kind of start to research what positions on campus might interest them and maybe enhance their educational experience um, or career endeavor. So, for example, if if somebody is studying biology, maybe they want to look and see if there are opportunities to work in a lab or we know, all know there's a lot of sports buffs that go to college, so look for opportunities at the Campus Fitness Center or working with one of the, the sports teams. Um, students should really uh, be looking for open positions via the college website. They might also want to contact the college's career services or HR department. And if the student was awarded federal work study, typically the financial aid office will provide them additional information on how to secure a position um, eligible to receive those funds. So first step, students should build a list of opportunities that would basically utilize their skill set or interests. And then once that list is generated, the next step is really to apply, and students really need to apply early. Um, They'll want to apply as soon as the college starts accepting applications, which is typically before they set foot on campus. And uh, on-campus positions really do fill up fast, so apply early before the start of the semester. Mm-hmm. So that's good to know. And I, I will say, too, that while you definitely should keep an eye out for applying into jobs um, related to your interests, there's also some key jobs that can allow you to do homework. Like if you take the late shift in the library, that's a pretty great job for doing your homework. So just something to think about. Always nice to be able to get schoolwork done while you're being paid. Um Absolutely. All right. You stated that on-campus positions are in high demand. Do you have any additional suggestions regarding the application process? Um, Students really should apply for multiple positions, not just for one or two. And uh, be sure to keep their mind and eyes and ears open. Um, Typically, incoming students, really, they might not be able to be picky Um, in regards to the type of positions that might be available. Um, Students should pay attention to online uh, job boards, uh, bulletin boards, and and one of the key things is to really, once they get on campus for subsequent years, is to network. Um, Working in the dining hall might not sound appealing, but it does look great on a resume, and maybe by networking and forging relationships on campus throughout the year, a student might be able to find themselves in their on-campus dream position in their upperclassmen years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so how do stu- students secure a position on campus? Do they have to go through an interview process once they submit that initial application? Um, yes. Typically, most students have to go through an interview process, and this might be in person once they get on campus or prior to. It might be via Skype um, in today's world or perhaps via the phone. Um, students should be well prepared for their interview regardless in the manner of which it's conducted. Um, if it's an in-person interview, be sure to bring copies of a resume. If it's uh, via Skype or on the phone, be sure to send an updated resume uh, before the scheduled interview. Um, students need to remember to be professional and on top of their game 
If it's an in-person interview, make sure that you dress appropriately. And by that, I don't mean gym shorts or yoga pants. If you're applying for a position at the fitness center, um, students want to be polite and smile and take the interview seriously regardless of the position they're applying for. Um, you know, first impressions are very, very important, and students should also remember to uh, bring interview questions with them or be ready to ask interview questions um, throughout the interview. And um, finally, you know, practice interview questions and, and put their best foot forward. Um, you know, campus departments who are hiring students really want to be well represented on campus. So they are truly looking for the top candidates. Mm-hmm. So when you say bring interview questions, you're saying questions that they'll ask of the person who will be interviewing them. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yes. They should bring, you know, just a, a handful, three to five questions for the person that they are interviewing with uh, regarding the position, maybe regarding the department in which they're interviewing um, and regarding the person they're interviewing, get to know them and get to know the the department, along with doing some research ahead of time so they can speak eloquently during the interview. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. So uh, once the interview is over, then what should they think about? Um, follow-up. I cannot stress that enough. Um, students need to make sure that they obtain the interviewer's name and direct contact information, Uh, be sure to send a thank you. Uh, You can do this via email or even better, a handwritten note. I often think it's best to do both because sometimes uh, an email is good right away so then the interviewee knows that um, you would send the thank you. um, And who doesn't love getting a handwritten note uh, in today's world? So, um, students should uh, refer back to the interview and, and make the thank you genuine and personal and tie in any personal details that they may have discussed in the interview process. Okay. And, uh, you know, be patient. Uh, oftentimes, the campus department heads that they are interviewing with they are very, very busy and have a lot on their plate, especially prior to when the semester starts. So it's always good to kind of keep in touch, uh, but you don't want to contact that person daily um, and and be a pest. So be on top of it, but make sure you absolutely uh, follow up with a thank you. Great. And do you have any final words regarding finding an on-campus position? Um, I'm a huge proponent of work-study and on-campus positions. There's a lot of benefits to working on campus. Oftentimes, the college can offer a flexible schedule and work within your class schedule. Uh, Students don't have to typically have any transportation costs working on campus. Um, And really, they can obtain lifelong uh, job skills. Um, And, you know, research has shown that students who work no more than 15 hours a week actually have a higher GPA than those that do not. So um, my last parting words are to start applying soon and, and best of luck to all the students applying. (laughs) <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Michelle. By the way, I'll just I'll just chime in that uh, 
my profession, basically my entire working life stems from deciding to apply to be a tour guide um, my junior year in college. So, <laughs> so I'm very glad I decided to go out for that job because from that job followed being um, an admission office intern from that job became being an admission officer, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, even if you don't think it's a career move, it, it actually might help you in ways that surprise you. Um, all right. Oh. So we're going to take a, sh- oh, go ahead, Michelle. No, I was just going to say, absolutely. I remember calling home uh, many years ago when I was in college and being ecstatic that I landed a public relations job um, instead of working in the dining hall. And uh, it was one of the best days of, of my life and, and definitely helped uh, craft my career path. So, Great. All right, so we're going to take a short break, but when we get back, Mary Sue Yoon will join me to discuss getting started on an activity list or resume. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Voice America is going live from Phoenix Comic Fest 2018. Tune in voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Check out all the fan favorites as we give you an inside look into the latest and greatest in film and television with on-site exclusive celebrity interviews, cosplay, comics, geekdom, and more May 25th and 26th starting at 1 p.m. Join the Voice America executives and Hollywood executives Summer Helene as we broadcast live on location. Check out hashtag Hashtag Voice America, hashtag Behind the Scenes, and hashtag DYIG to follow the latest action on social media. Listen live at voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Voice America CEO Jeff Spinard and VP Ryan Treasure will be live on site at 2 p.m. Friday for a special broadcast of Finding a Frequency Radio. Then join Hollywood bad guys Summer Helene on Behind the Scenes Live at 4 p.m. Tune in, Voice America, the leader in live internet talk radio voiceamerica.com forward slash live events the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are listening to getting in a college coach conversation To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned before our break, Mary Sue Yoon, College Coach Consultant, is now joining us to discuss starting the activity list for your college admission application. Welcome, Mary Sue. Hi, Sally. Okay, so first, I think it might be useful to just briefly explain what we're talking about uh, when we say the activity list. I think most people think in terms of resumes, so Mm -hmm. the activity list is a little bit different. Yes, yes, it is a little bit different. So um, this is something that I often advise students to get started on early on in high school, but it just in in its early stages is simply a list of all the activities that you've done in, in high school, whether those are after-school clubs or community activities or summer experiences or it could be a whole host of things, but basically it is just that list of of what your extracurricular uh, life looks like. So what do you do after the the final bell rings for the school day? What what do you spend the rest of your time doing? Um, And then later on, a student would likely craft it and format it potentially to put into their college applications. So it is something that um, you don't have to worry about necessarily immediately formatting to the right size or or look, but when you do get into that actual college application process in 12th grade, it's something that you would want to make look um, presentable and, and concisely put out your information so that admissions officer can read it quickly. Mm-hmm. And so what is the information that's needed? I mean, I think, like I always think about high schools, they have all their, you know, there's there's all those awards for volunteering, like you get the mm-hmm. presidential award for X number of hours, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Is that what the colleges want or do they want something a little different? Well, so I think that a common mistake that a lot of students make with making this is that they do try and put everything on this and they do think of it more as a resume um, rather than sort of a supplement to the other pieces of the application. So uh, things that are not necessary to put on would be any of the academic information like your senior classes or your SAT or ACT scores. Those pieces are going to be in other parts of the application. So that's not necessary. But what is necessary is a good sense as to what um, the student does for that activity or club or uh, extracurricular experience. So um, it's, it's, I find it very helpful if a student puts out the number of hours that they are involved in that, um, whether it's hours per week or uh, it's probably preferred to do hours per week. Um, some students, if it's a more um, cyclical kind of event, maybe they would say, you know, on this month I did this number of hours or something like that. But in general, you want to get some sense as to what the time commitment is for the activity by looking at that activity list. So whether this is something that you do once a month or if it's a 15-hour a week commitment, the admissions officers just wanted to know, okay, what is the amount of time that you're putting into this? Um, Certainly also major awards that you've won or recognitions that you've been given for the activity would be important to put on as well as any leadership positions. Um, And a short description maybe of what the club does and Um, And sometimes what that leadership, if there is a leadership position, what that leadership position entails because um, a a leadership position, even sort of a named position like a president or a vice president or a captain can mean a whole host of different things. So sometimes some short descriptions can really be helpful um, Mm -hmm. to kind of flesh that out for the admissions office. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always surprised at how often students forget things they've done, and then a parent luckily will weigh in and say, well, remember you got that award or, you know, because parents right. save everything. And sometimes I, I will just note that sometimes students think that something they got wasn't a big deal and it actually is fairly important. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I'd say err on the side of writing as much down as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would put down any of the awards um, or, you know, recognitions that you have. Likely the starting in the ninth grade. Uh, we don't need to know about the spelling test that you won when you were five, um, <laughs> you know, or sometimes I will see students who sort of err too much on that side and they send a copy of every certificate they've ever won to the admissions office. That is not necessary um, or wanted in the process, but starting in the ninth grade, any recognitions that you have that you can um, put onto that activity list is helpful to kind of see the continuity of what you've done over the course of your high school years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And remember, you can always edit it down later. So right Mm -hmm. now, yeah, early on, err on the side of putting it all in there and then you can Mm -hmm. edit it out. Yeah. Right. Um, So let's just say, um, let's say you're starting now and you're an 11th grader, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be applying to college in the fall. Um, You know, what, what do you do then? So I'd start with just kind of thinking, um, you know, back to ninth grade and, and what you started doing in ninth grade. Um, sometimes it is helpful to enlist a family member to, to help jog your memory. Um, sometimes high schools put that information uh, as well on the transcript, so there might be a record of it on your school's system already. Um, but if there's not, you just kind of have to sit, okay, what did I do in ninth grade? What did I spend that summer doing? You know, kind of try and recreate everything that you've done um, since that time and write it out. And then the sort of next phase, if, if a student's an 11th grader and they're moving this summer into the application process, would really be to try and format it nicely so that um, I would say put a priority of putting your most impactful activities at the top of the uh, application at the activity sheet so that those are the things that kind of pop out the admissions officer. Um, It's kind of following the guidelines that are laid out in the common application, which are um, they want to, in the common application, they want a list of activities um, listed in order of importance to the student. So the most important to the student activities should be at the top. And things that you sort of have done, you know, sporadically or just, um, or more kind of membership, but you only do it, you know, once a month or something like that would be towards the bottom of that list. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, great. And what about um, I just want to make sure that we mention that things outside that you're not doing through school are relevant right. as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What are some examples of that that you might mention? So and a lot of times students discount these because they think, oh, that's not a big deal. But they can be really big deals, particularly if they take up a lot of your time or they impact the time that you have available to do extracurricular activities. So I've certainly worked with students who have had significant child care responsibilities for younger siblings, so that can be put on an activity resume, um, or uh, elder care responsibilities for grandparents can also be something that the student does and puts in um, on that. So those kinds of family responsibilities, although we don't necessarily always think of them as traditional extracurricular activities, absolutely do count because sometimes a student can be limited by um, those types of responsibilities in how much they can join their sort of after-school clubs. If they know they have to meet a younger sibling every day after school, 
that might put a limitation, and it's important for us as admissions officers to kind of know that context when we're reviewing the student's application. So those kinds of things are important to put on. Um, Also, summer jobs or jobs during the school year are important. Um, Jobs show responsibility, ability to manage time, uh, ability to kind of interact in an adult world and can really be a way to learn a lot of great life lessons. And so even if it's a job that's not at all related to a career goal, just, you know, a job working in a local retail store or a local supermarket or something like that, um, those should be put on the resume as well. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Any last piece of advice? Um, I think that the biggest thing um, that I would always advise when students are looking at their resume, if you are a, a junior going into senior year and you're trying to format it, is make sure that it visually um, is impactful, meaning that it can kind of um, very quickly show the admissions officer uh, a little bit more about your activities. Uh, I disliked activity resumes that were really wordy and heavy and uh, just had lots of long paragraphs of descriptions. I really did like activity resumes that were sort of more in a chart format that pretty concisely said, here's my activity, here's the description, here's the number of hours per week that um, I've been involved, and here are major recognitions or officer positions relating to this activity. Because, honestly, as an admissions officer, particularly admissions officers at highly selective schools, they're maybe taking a minute scanning that resume. So you want to make sure that they get a sense of you, but they get a sense of you um, concisely, quickly, and with the most impact for your application. Mm-hmm. And an amen to that. When I was reading applications at 11 p.m. at night, I was not going to read a detailed paragraph. for. Right. A, a, or, in, you know, a five-page resume or something like that. Yeah, you know, that's, exactly. It's got to be to the point, and it's, it is an exercise in editing um, for the mm-hmm. students. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, well, thank you so much, Mary Sue. You're welcome, and thanks for having me on, Sally. We're going to take a short break, and then Christine Kenyon will be joining me to discuss how to present your distinguishing excellence on your application. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. 
Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned before our break, Christine Kenyon and I will be discussing how to document the accomplishments that distinguish you from others in the most selective applicant pools. Um, so, Christine, some of our audience will have heard last week's show when we discussed um, what makes a distinguishing excellence. Um, but for those who haven't, could you maybe give just a brief summary yeah, of what absolutely. one is? Yeah. Sure. So um, a distinguishing excellence is really um, a unique accomplishment or uh, contribution that a student has made over their four years of high school that sets them apart a little bit from the average high school applicant who's applying to college. So it's something that, especially for the most highly selective programs in the U.S., um, usually helps in distinguishing a student from one uh, versus the other. And it allows admission counselors to really understand, you know, why is this student unique? Um, how might this student contribute to our community on campus? And why should I admit this student over another one of the really accomplished, academically talented students whose applications I've, I've read these year, this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, um, it's really challenging sometimes when you're talking to parents and, and students, um, although the students seem to be a little savvier about it, who are applying to schools like Harvard, Stanford, Yale, mm-hmm. and they're like, what do you mean it's a big reach even though he has straight A's or she has straight A's? And so, this, but the DE is really what it's all about at that point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when when I'm talking to families about the highly competitive admission process, I like to think about it as if each student had um, four beach buckets in front of them. So um, a bucket for grades, a bucket for the rigor of their courses, a bucket for their standardized testing, and a bucket for everything else. And in the most highly selective applicant pool, most applicants to the college are going to have full, nearly full, or overflowing buckets in those first three categories, grades, uh, rigor of coursework, and standardized testing. So it's that fourth bucket, that sort of everything else, that is what often culminates in a distinguishing excellence for a student at the most highly selective level. And that's the thing that will sort of set you apart um, once it's clear that you could handle the academics uh, at a most highly selective institution. Mm-hmm. And not just handle it, but thrive in it. Because let's face it, I sure. mean, <laughs> many more students could handle it that, uh, yeah. Um, Very true. <laughs> yeah. They could fill yeah. the classes four times over with the number of yeah. qualified applicants. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, so I, in some ways, I mean, obviously, the you know, doing a DE is is the hardest part. Although it's interesting because I've found that a lot of the motivated students, like the students who have true um, distinguishing excellences, I'm going to call it DE for shorthand, um, they like really they're doing all this work for the love of what they do. So it's like they're tired and it's time consuming, but they don't think of it as hard or it's certainly not a hard thing to do in a bad way, right? It's like an enjoyable challenge for them. Um, So in some ways, what ends up being more challenging for these students is how they present it on their application. I mean, it's very easy to write down that you're captain of the swim team or president of the student body, but how do you kind of present the level of accomplishment with some of these things, um, especially if they took place um, off campus? Like, if I can give you one example, um, I'm currently advising a student who, as far as I can tell, is a genius. I mean, really remarkable. Um, he's currently working, and in addition to having the toughest curriculum at his high school, like top 3% or something in his class at a very good high school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's, he's working in a lab at the local um, very good state university doing research with a professor, and he's doing the same research that graduate students in the lab are doing. I mean, literally, he is collaborating with the graduate students to write up the research that he's been involved in for over a year for publication. There's a chance that his work will be published before the November 1 deadlines. But, it, it you know, these things, these gears grind slowly um, because, as he says himself, this isn't about him and his application deadlines. So, like, how how would you advise him to document his very impressive work? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's a great example of something that the student is really passionate about. You know, he's not doing it just because it was easy to sign up for or it was handed to him. It's something he's really interested in. Um, and so, I, you know, I think in that case, there are actually a lot of different avenues you could go down in terms of highlighting the distinguishing excellence. Um, I think when students have a particularly impactful experience that happens outside of the four walls of their traditional high school, it's it's a good opportunity to ask for an additional letter of recommendation. So in the case of your student, um, having his mentor, his boss, his manager at the university write uh, a letter just sort of uh, kind of conveying the type of work he's been contributing towards uh, in the lab research, uh, discussing how and why his name is being included on that publication um, and, and how this whole thing started, I think is, is one way that uh, could really allow an admissions office to learn um, in much more detail than perhaps a teacher rec might be able to recommend uh, or might be able to, to highlight uh, so that they could learn about just how much time and energy and effort uh, has gone into this experience outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. All right. And so what about, um, what are other ways of doing it, especially if you think about like the the common application, um, most of the schools that are on it allow at least one additional letter of recommendation that can be from someone who's not a teacher or a high school counselor. But what about say um, the University of California system that does not allow any recommendations actually, or they might ask them for a very select number of students, but you can't guarantee that you're going to be one of those students. Yeah, great question. I think that's where it's really important to make sure that a student is being thoughtful in the essays that they write. So the University of California application has what I think are some of the the best personal insight questions. They're called personal 
insight questions. Um, they're kind of like mini personal statements where the University of California gives students eight questions, eight essay prompts, basically, that they can choose from, and they have to write about four of them. And they have um, up to 350 words to respond within each of the four essay prompts, um, the four personal insight prompts. And um, that gives students a lot of opportunity to explore different avenues of of who they are. Um, So the UC essays, they're all a little bit different. Some of them kind of talk about, um, you know, think about an academic subject that inspires you. Describe how you have furthered this interest inside or outside of the classroom. That might be a perfect personal insight prompt to answer for your student who can talk about his passion for this particular subject that allowed him to kind of pursue it outside of the classroom, led him to the university and to doing the research um, that he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and write about why he loves it so much. You know, what, mm-hmm. what's so thrilling about it for him. Um, and, the, yeah, the UC, I mean, the UC prompts, that is a great example. I, I actually, um, one of our colleagues who works in California, she says that when it comes to the UC prompts, she always has students write down at least four things that they want the UCs to know about them so that they're very purposeful with these essays. And it's interesting because it's very different from how she or, or any of us usually advise on the Common App, but because the UCs don't give you the opportunity to um, submit letters of recommendation, in some ways these are these are your letters of recommendation. Um, and yeah. the UCs are fine with you using it as such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and each each response should be a little bit different and should highlight a different aspect of yourself and a different opportunity. So, you know, maybe your student could uh, use one prompt to talk about his passion for science and use another prompt to talk about uh, the way in which he got involved in this research. You know, there are a lot of different um, different, different paths he can take to allow the, the university to learn about him. And in an ideal world, each four of those prompts would cover a different aspect of his life so that the University of California could learn as much as possible about him and about his passion that's become a distinguishing excellence as they possibly could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did want to emphasize the passion thing because it's just as it's um, just as it would be annoying if someone walked up to you and said, let me tell you about all my awards. That would be, that's annoying in an essay as well. So talking Mm -hmm. about your passion for something and certainly along the way you can mention you know, I was really pleased that I was able to accomplish this because I love this so much. That's a way of doing it that's not annoying, that doesn't come across as bragging. So I mm-hmm. always try and kind of talk to students, like talk about your passion, talk about why, talk about the why more so than the what. Like you have to include the what details, but the theme should be the why, not just what you've accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that word passion can be a little bit overwhelming for some students sometimes, but, you know, at the most highly selective level, to be distinguishing in this applicant pool, you have to have some sort of a unique interest, some sort of a an interest that really inspires you and, and strokes your fire, that kind of lights you up from inside out, um, that you just you wish that you could have a cup of coffee, coffee and sit down with an admission counselor and just talk for days and days about this thing that you're for lack of a better word, passionate about. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's where that distinguishing excellence piece and how you, you can uh, present it comes into play is thinking, okay, um, it, it is a passion it, it, at this level usually. So it's okay to talk about it as long as you're framing it in the context of how this is your spark, how it's inspired you, um, why it's important to you, and not just listing your accomplishments. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and, and not to forget, too, that there is an activity sheet. So there is a place where you can just list and you're not mm-hmm. bragging because they're actually asking you, what are your honors? And then what's the activity sheet? And so you have to be pretty brief about it. Um, but you do have, you know, like on the common application, uh, why don't you tell why don't you tell the listeners about the, um, you know, kind of what what they have room to do on the activity list on the Common App. It's pretty limited, but there is some space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the Common App has uh, two different sections that students can input their involvement outside of uh, of the classroom. So one is sort of the activity section, and they can list the activity, uh, the name of the organization and the position that they held, the years in which they've been involved in this organization, the hours per week, the weeks per year, um, and, you know, a brief, you know, this year it was 150 characters, so pretty brief blurb about what what details and, and accomplishments you've, you've accomplished within this club or activity. And you have 10 spots uh, to, to list your involvement outside of the classroom. So in an ideal world, a student would list from order of importance to them, uh, you know, the activities that have been the most meaningful, the most impactful to them, the biggest time commitment to least. Um, and then they also have a separate section on the Common App for listing of honors. So that's where if you if you won any sort of distinction, you could just sort of list it there. There isn't really an opportunity to describe that honor. Um, so, you know, if, if there's something more that you want to go into detail about, that's where the additional writing can, can come in helpful, whether it's through the Common App personal statement or uh, supplemental essays at some of these more highly selected the programs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and one of the things, I think that the fact that there's 10 spaces is important. I mean, often students, when they have a distinguishing excellence, it's all kind of centered around maybe one issue, right? Like science, but they're often doing sort of different things that could take up three or four different spaces on the activity list. And so then that does actually multiply a little bit more the space that they have. Like for this young man, um, you know, just thinking about him, you know, the research with the professor is sort of one thing, but he also presented at a panel that could go on like a separate, you know, that might be like a separate line item, um, you know, and then, you know, being in Science Olympiad at school is a separate line item. So kind of all these mm-hmm. different things sort of add in together. And so that you do have a little more space than you might realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what you said, too, about how, you know, sometimes you don't have a perfectly easy thing to write about that you are president of X club and that directly relates to your passion or your interest. I, you know, I remember working with a student who was really involved in politics. And, um, when I started working with her at the beginning of her senior year, she said, you know, I, I, I lost the student government race for president. I, I didn't get it. I'm not even in student government this year. I've been, you know, in student government previous years of high school, but I, I feel like I have nothing to show for my love for politics. And I said, well, wait a second, let's, you know, talk, talk to me more about this love you have for politics. How have you been involved in it? Um, let's not worry about the fact that you didn't win the presidency. What have you done? And it turns out that she um, had been involved in the Hugo Bryan Youth Leadership uh, summer experiences where she was selected by her high school to be sent to do some additional leadership training um, over the summer. And she moved on to become like a counselor uh, staff member of that, um, like a mentor for younger students for that. Uh, she attended Girl State, where she was, again, nominated by her high school um, to represent their, their high school at this Girl State political kind of rally, um, mock government sort of situation, and she was voted into the role of governor for her Girl State summer experience. 
And then she had also worked for a congresswoman on, on Capitol Hill and had lived with um, family friends in Washington, D.C. You know, she hadn't, um, she wasn't from that state, that area. Uh, so she lived with some family friends. She commuted on, on public transportation to go and work with her local congressman and um, worked on some really interesting things there and, and really loved it. And so I said, what do you mean? You, you think you have nothing to, to show for your passion in politics? You've been building it every step of the way. I think what was overwhelming for her was just trying to figure out how to list it appropriately in that Common App Activities section to really highlight the experiences that she's had to show that interest uh, and not getting in her head and, and sort of overwhelmed about the fact that she didn't have this, this title of, of student body president um, because it ended up not even mattering. <laughs> she did get into an Ivy League institution and was, and was very happy there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think students think, oh, there's this one thing that's required. And I think the great news about activities in general and distinguishing excellences in particular is that there is no one thing that's required. Each student who achieves at this kind of a high level really does it in very unique ways. I I mean, which I think Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Um, I mean, I had a student who um, was very interested in politics and she'd been working on voters' rights um, since ninth grade. And she actually wrote a great essay about um, why she became interested in voters' rights because her parents had been turned away um, the first time they tried to vote. They weren't on the voters' rolls, even though they were citizens at that point, but I guess it had happened Mm -hmm. too recently or they weren't familiar with the process and they had been so excited and they took her as like a nine-year-old to, to, um, you know, she was a citizen. They took her as a nine-year-old. They're like, we're going to vote. This is our sacred duty and right. And then they're turned away. And so it just left this sort of amazing um, impression on her. But she never um, she never held office at her high school. She did all kinds of work um, outside of um, outside of her high school, including volunteering for um, a congressperson. So, yeah, a lot of different ways to go about these things. Yeah, and I think with examples like that, that's a perfect example where the personal statement can be a really great way to, to highlight your passion, your distinguishing excellence. You know, perhaps you're involved in things outside of your high school. Maybe your guidance counselor or your teachers don't quite quite know the, the level of your involvement. Or maybe it's something personal where, you know, it's a, a family matter, something important to your um, your local community that, that doesn't really touch your high school life. Um, that's where I think the personal statement uh, can be really helpful to allow students to be reflective and provide more context as to why they're involved in this way, why, why they're really interested in it and passionate about it, and, and what got them to the point where they are today. Um, and on mm-hmm. the Common App, you do have quite a bit of space. You know, you have up to 650 words to, to write a personal statement um, and reflect on, you know, anything that you want, basically. There, there are seven different prompts, but the last one is share an essay on any topic of your choice. Um, so if, if you are one of these students that has a particular amount of involvement that doesn't really relate to what you're doing in high school, uh, I think the personal statement can absolutely be an, an appropriate way to convey that, that distinguishing excellence as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just want to emphasize again that with the Common App, because it's creative, this isn't the place to put in every single listed detail, um, but it is the place to put in the why, you know, what mattered about it, why this was important to her. Um, so, and I, and I keep emphasizing that because with this particular student, 
I mean, her parents were very proud of her. And, and part of that then was when I was working with her on our essay, her first draft was 1,200 words because they, and partially it was because they kept adding in these other great things she'd done. And they were all great things, but I had to say, look, there simply isn't space. Like we need to highlight like why this matters to her first and foremost. And then the accomplishments that fit into that narrative are going to be very important here. But we simply don't have space to list everything. Plus it'll be a bad essay if we do. And they were very, very anxious, but um, we used um, the activity list as well, of course, and and I think this is a good place to bring this up. We used the additional information section, uh, which is another option that's on the common application. And there's a little space like that on the University of California application as well. Um, so that's the good news there. Um, so, you know, on the additional information section, if there was anything that, you know, if there were a few sort of details of, that were important enough, they didn't fit on the activity section, um, and so I had her kind of do kind of a brief supplement to the activity section on, under additional information. She ended up going to University of Chicago. So, again, things worked out very, very well for her. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's think about, um, I mean, so we've talked about politics. We talked a little bit about science. Um, I'm kind of trying to think about, you know, what are some, like, you know, what are some other examples of students with DEs and, and kind of what did you have them do? Um, yeah. You know, like like a student maybe who's a remarkable creative writer or just whatever it might be, because it doesn't have to be around leadership even. So what are your thoughts mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I worked with a student recently who was a really beautiful writer, um, and she just... It sounded like her voice. It was engaging. She just wrote really beautifully. Uh, But her favorite subject was actually math. And that's that's sort of where she spent a lot of her time outside of the classroom, um, was just kind of exploring different ways that she could um, learn about math, exploring summer programs in math, doing, you know, little mind uh, teasers online, um, taking advantage of, of higher-level coursework uh, outside of the classroom whenever she could. Um, but her essay was really creative and beautifully written, and it talked about her family, and it talked about um, her passion for math, but it, it allowed the reader to really understand how she viewed math. Like, it, it, it made it seem like math was colors to her. Like, when I look at math, I see numbers. But to her, the way she wrote about it, it made it kind of come alive from the page and made it seem like she was seeing this, this whole rainbow of colors when she was looking at math. Um, and so I feel like that was a, that was a really fun student to work with because she was sort of like, oh, I kind of have a couple of different interests. I really like writing, but I'm really passionate about math. And she was able to sort of use that personal statement to, um, to kind of highlight that, that interest she had in both and, and to show her strengths in both. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, and that's interesting too, because um, so we've been talking about students with kind of one really overarching you know, in their case, it was a passion, right? But here you've got a mm-hmm. student with a few, I mean, I'm sure she was a top student in general, but a few mm-hmm. areas of interest. And I, and that's okay, too. Like, and I, I want to be clear, too, that the distinguishing excellence is, again, like, I mean, I had a student who um, went off to Yale when I was, this is from when I was a high school counselor in Los Angeles. And that she, her, honestly, her distinguishing excellence was just that she was probably the best writer 
that the school had seen in something like five years. She was just this sort of phenomenal writer. So it wasn't even, and it hadn't even taken place in terms of being editor of the yearbook and all those other things. But she wrote, um, she was a strong student, but she also just wrote so beautifully. And that came across in every single teacher rec. And that came across in, um, you know, in the essay that she wrote to the colleges. And, you know, that was enough in combination with everything else. Um, so I think, I think that that's good to know too. Like a DE isn't like always, I'm going to take over the world, <laughs> you know, like it could just be yeah, like, yeah. I'm amazing at this one thing, you know, or a couple things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had another student who went to MIT and his, his thing was math. I mean, he loved all subjects and and actually did really well in history also but he uh he not only went to the Canada USA um math camp he actually ran out of the math curriculum at his high school ended up doing an independent study and wrote his essay about how he teaches himself math and other subjects as well um but that one of his favorite things to do is to sort of go online and you know like buy textbooks and i mean i've been around for a while so this was even before the massive online courses so he was really teaching himself all these things um so that that can be a distinguishing excellence as well mm-hmm. yeah there was even a student i um i worked with who was an athlete who um, I started working with him earlier in high school. He he was super duper duper into competitive sports. Um, his goal was to play varsity athletics. He was a three sport athlete. He was like, I don't care which sport I play. You know, I just want to be a varsity athlete um, in in college. Uh, and he tore his ACL at the beginning of his sophomore year. Um, it was a major blow to him. Um, he was pretty heartbroken because his thought it was a bad bad injury and his doctor was like you really can't be competing at the same level oh yeah I'm really sorry but I just realized we have 30 seconds left so I think I need to cut you (laughs) off so my apologies but thank you so much Okay, and thanks also to Michelle Richardson and Mary Sue Yoon. Um, Now I want to tell you about our show next week. Beth Heaton will return, and she and her guests will be discussing what to know when considering ROTC, as well as um, they'll also be answering some listener questions. We do regularly answer listener questions, so if you have a question of your own, please contact College Coach on Facebook, and we'll be happy to answer it on the air. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website, and you can also download every show for free on iTunes. If you check out the archives, you'll find a lot of great options, including last week's show, which included an explanation of what a distinguishing excellence is. Um, Last, if you like our show, be sure to rate us on iTunes. It takes only a moment of your time and is absolutely free. So don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Check us out. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.